So, welcome to the show. I'm Herman. Yeah. That's Jason over there. And what's the Starling's um, name? <laughs> Steve the Starling. Steve Steve the Starling. Welcome to Herman and Jason Spin the Yarn. On this episode, we're talking about bird watching from your own apartment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, what we're talking about is uh, if you've been anywhere near the, the news in general for the past couple of days, you would have seen all of the news about Elon's takeover of Twitter and all the layoffs that ensued, as well as the layoffs that have been happening with pretty much all tech companies. Well, not all tech companies, but all these big boys, like Lyft has had some pretty severe layoffs. Stripe has had some pretty severe layoffs. Meta has just announced that they're having some layoffs. So this is this is happening right now. Yeah. It's also like quite a an aside from the way that we usually conduct these 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 podcasts, right? Because we don't really like to talk about like current affairs. But I guess it is just such a pertinent thing to our industry uh, that I guess it's worth worth talking about. We kind of expect it to, to happen, right? We definitely expected it to happen. So at the end of last year, uh, a a combination of the pandemic, which included a whole bunch of governmental stimulus, meant that there were a lot of consumers who had additional money that wasn't that they didn't necessarily have anything to spend it on. So they decided to start investing it. And if you'd listened to our previous episode on investing, turns out don't probably don't invest in stocks, but that's what most people think of when they think of investing. And so there was this huge run on, you know, like the Robinhood app. And we saw crazy, crazy increases in the price of stocks for all these tech companies, your Apples, your Metas, your Tesla, especially, which I think was somewhere along the lines of 600% for 2021. And it was at the end of last year where I thought to myself, wow, this is this is definitely a speculative market right now and there's definitely going to be a correction at some point because these these companies are hugely hugely overvalued uh, and are not in line with the actual growth of the industry and so i went and i sold all of my tech stocks at the end of last year and around may when there was this downturn for all these tech companies but it turns out it didn't end there it just carried on this like downward spiral and this has led to a whole bunch of major firms having to lay off a bunch of their stuff, which is definitely their highest expense. Like out of anything that these companies can do to cut expenses, engineering stuff is the big one. It, it's usually the easiest as well. But it, it's it's not. It's interesting to think about and have a bit of clarity on why it is that a inflated stock price causes this challenge. Like, w- what about it? What about it causes the problems? And it's mostly to do with who eventually buys something at the end of the day, right? Because if you think of it as a company, at the end of the day, they're selling some product. And that means that they need to get money from customers into their pockets, right? Or into their business. And throughout the process, so in this terms of like creating profit, you're basically getting revenues, so, so money in from the from your customer base and you're using that revenue to pay for your staff for your operating costs for your whole business operations right the challenge is that when there's a decrease 
in the number of people that are spending on your product, then there's less chance that you'll make a profit. And when it comes to investing in stock markets, it's about that profit. You, the reason you buy speculatively on, like even on the S&P, is that you're expecting that later down the line, that those companies will be able to bring about efficiencies in the way that they do business in order to optimize the profit that they make out of it. So the challenge is when, when the cost of living comes up, which is basically why there's this kind of shift away from like consumer goods. Like no one's buying, you know, new washing machines because they're worried that they have to pay for electricity at the end of the month. So prices for washing machines aren't necessarily going down, but it's no one's buying them. So that reduction in consumerism in the market is what causes thing, things like the deficiency, like not, not having enough money to actually pay staff. And this is almost like preeminently because, you know, things like Stripe, basically it's like relies on payments, right? And if you don't have people transacting, transacting through your system, there's going to become a point where you need to, you need to be profitable or else you're insolvent. There's, it's, it's definitely that combined with the, uh, with these overblown, these overblown valuations of these companies. Um, and this kind of comes down to, to human psychology and maybe a bit into like speculative economics. But if you have a significant injection of capital, the easiest way to expand your business is by hiring more people. And so what happened with these companies is they went and they they took this speculative money and then they went and they overhired. So the speculation increased the price of the stock or whatever. They used this injection of capital to hire more people than they reasonably need. And so yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's that actually. I would say it's inverse. Right. Because when you're a CEO and your priority is growth, what you want to do is you don't necessarily, it's not profit that leads you getting more people where it might do for smaller businesses. Where the, the thing about tech is it's really, you're investing in the future. You're saying like, when you invest in Tesla, you're, you're basically saying that I want there to be a future where electric cars are like the dominant type of car. And that has a certain value that I can then get back in terms of like the stocks, stocks price. So what you do as Tesla is that you, you're focusing on that growth part. So you hire people even before you have, you know, things for them to do in a sense. So you're basically hiring a, like a group of 10 people in anticipation for the type of growth that you expect to see. Because when you've got a certain traje trajectory, you're like, okay, well, we, gr we grew like, you know, 20% year on year or in like tech sense, it's usually like higher than that, especially when you look at startups. Oh, we grew like 20% year on year. Now it is slowing like 10% or, you know, whatever percentage, but that's like 10% over a bigger number. So it's like 10% of a billion is still quite a large amount of like money. So you're like, if I can, if I'm going to have that growth, I can't have that growth if there's no people to actually take that money in, convert it into something that's valuable for the customer. So there's this challenge where you basically like overhire and then you find things for them to do. And I think one of the cases that I've read recently is like Google did this, but it was more like actually quite strategic. What they did when they started out is they just went out and hired lots of really smart people on the notion that those smart people wouldn't go and start competitors. 
And so they were <laughs> like, we'll hire these people and we'll just figure out because they're smart, they'll figure out stuff to do. And in a similar sense, it's more like we'll hire these people and then they can go, you know, do sales and they can go and like, you know, improve the product. But it, that's not necessarily always true because that growth of growth of people doesn't always directly move into growth of the product in terms of making it better, making it more efficient. Right. So it, it turns out that if you put 10 smart monkeys in a room, they'll probably write Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of these things of like companies is that as you add more people and you'll, you would have found this as soon as the team starts to grow, the challenges of communicating across that, that team becomes more complicated. So if you don't have good leadership and you don't have good structure in your organization, I think you can actually end up in a point where you have these things like uh, quiet quitting and like all of this kind of shenanigans around not actually doing your work. Whereas my opinion is more staying leaner. Okay, you're going to be like, you know, overworking your people or you're overworking your teams, but you're not going to have the situation where there's people who don't have things to do, which would then, you know, we've talked about it before in terms of the different types of people who work at a company. You know, you've got the people who are out there to try, try and, you know, improve themselves, like do good for the, for the company. There's the people who are just there to get a paycheck and go home and spend time with their family. And then there's like the laggards and the, the sort of people who just, you know, quite quit and do the bare minimum. I think uh, the, the word that you said over there about like based on their projections of how much money they will have in the future is the, is the key there is that with Stripe, they expected their business to be doing as to be growing as fast this year as it was last year and the year before. And so they hired with the knowledge that they could afford those hires this year and then yeah. had to, you know, pedal back on, on that. Yeah, that's fair enough. I think, uh, there with the whole complexity of managing people is that if you have a team of, you know, 10 to 20 people, you can reasonably have a fairly flat hierarchy uh, and you can have just pretty much like a founder led team or, you know, just some, some very efficient, lean organization. And then as soon as you have a thousand employees, you have to have middle management. So you're injecting yeah. MBAs into the mix for better or for worse. And then if you get up to seven, eight thousand, well, there's managers for the managers and yeah. there's a lot of, a lot of pencil pushing that happens. So there is, definitely a lot of inefficiency that gets injected into an organization at those scales. Uh, as an example, the previous company that I worked at uh, was a tech startup, and it was actually doing some pretty neat stuff using a asymmetric marketplace similar to Airbnb. Uh, and the actual team itself was under 10 people, yet it was the largest uh, player in that space, uh, at least uh, during... 2021 i haven't really checked back in this year um but the the fact of the matter is that you can actually do a lot with a small team and then as the team grows obviously the output grows as well but it's it's that it's that s curve right is mm. the more people you add there's an exponential uh there's an exponential degradation or logarithmic growth and at some point, adding that extra person has a negligible effect on the actual output of the business. Yeah, but yeah, no, that, that makes like a lot of sense. Uh, and, and I agree. But I, 
it's also the the granularity of that data that gets distorted right like as you start to add more people there, there's mechanism in it it's not just like oh i can just you know you know move a toggle and suddenly i've got more people in my organization you can do like a really fine grain sort of exercise of optimizing people for versus output what you ten, tend to do is on an annual basis you would set okay especially on a big company like you said okay we're going to hire this many people this year to meet the requirements of the like you know the projections that we have and also like the actual act of hiring someone you you might like go out it takes like a couple of months and then you get all these people in and then it takes you a while to actually onboard them and get them like up to speed and like doing like working at even just the basic level so when you have like a, a longer timeline when it comes to just like adding more people it's really like hard because some of those people might not have even just been skilled up going from like beginning of last year to now they might have just started to get into a stride and then suddenly you're like no we don't we, we don't have this capacity to like you know support you which is a yeah. bit it's a bit it's a bit swack so we there's there's two very different forms of laying off not in a not in an actual definitive sense but just in the way that Stripe laid off its employees versus how Twitter laid off its. Uh, and they are contrast night and day, right? Is that I don't think either of these companies broke any laws. Um, there's talk about, you know, maybe Twitter didn't abide by the Californian Warn Act that needed to give people 60 days worth of notice before mass layoffs happened. Um, I think they did though, because okay. I, I think, I think, so I did read into that and I was quite interested by that because it's, it, in a, I mean, and we could get to maybe the South African context a little bit later, but apparently they were given nine, 90 days, was it 90 days severance, which is basically like, we'll give you 90 days of pay, but like, there's no point in you coming to work if you, if you're being laid off. So, yeah, you know, I, like I, if you, I assume that so, that was the case, and I, I was uh, arguing yeah. with someone on, on ZA Tech about that earlier today, is it doesn't seem like the Twitter lawyers would have an oversight, like, oh, we completely didn't think about the yeah. act that protects employees in arguably the place that we hire them in the most. Um, yeah. But I think that uh, Stripe was incredibly public and open, and they... Uh, put a whole bunch of things in place to assist their uh, ex-employees getting other jobs. And they um, they actually released the internal communications as uh, on a public forum, which I, I really appreciated by uh, from them. In the end, they kind of did the same thing that Twitter did, but Twitter just did it in the shittiest way possible with Elon being a meme lord and, you know, people having their access cut off as the way of kind of notifying them that they were being fired, which is not illegal. And I understand why they would do that. Like if I were firing someone, I would make sure that right after I fired them, they couldn't go and sabotage the system. However, the way that it was carried out was, was pretty shitty, which is why everyone's up in a shitstorm right now. But I think, and I think this is a bit of an unpopular opinion, but I think the main reason why everyone is up in arms right now about what's happening at Twitter is not necessarily because Twitter acted terribly, right? It didn't act great, but it's because it's not just a firing or a layoff. It's a celebrity drama. Interesting. 
I think, yeah, there, there have been a few sort of high profile firings uh, in the last like year or two. I think there was one, was it Better Day or something like that, where the guy basically got everyone onto a Zoom call and and said like, okay, if you're on this call, then you have been fired uh, and your access has been immediately revoked. If I was a Twitter employee, like first of all, having Twitter on your resume is not too bad. Like the way that I see it, it's pretty, you're going to be fine. 90 days severance, that's that's great. Usually you get like, you know, one month's notice, right? Which is one month where you basically do nothing anyway. So, so you know, that that's pretty okay, right? You're going to have, you're going to have like, you know, 90 days to find something else to work on. I, what I like is that there's, there's a, there's a narrative about like, okay, people worked at Twitter. Now there's, you know, no jobs available. So the idea is that they're going to go off and maybe start their own thing or be a little bit more, you know, creative. The thing about those big companies is they pay really nice salaries. But what I've also seen is that they pay, they tend to pay people in uh, RSUs and stocks too. So if the stock price is going down or probably doesn't exist now because it's been effectively bought out so then, with the with the people who were who had part of their compensation in stocks there were stock buybacks or yeah just they did get bought out which is you know great it's a liquidity event right as you lose your job so yeah. you do have extra capital going into your next job search and i think in a lot of cases like these people are probably fine i think what i do is when i ever see it see that i think it in of the context of where where we grew up in south africa whenever you saw mass layoffs it was usually like very much working class people that mm. got laid off and i think the difference is when you go into twitter you know there's that contract that's part of working in the u.s right you they have laws where you can get fired because the business is not doing well because the ceo decides right i do agree that there's a lot of fanfare around this whole thing because there's this whole sort of duality about whether elon is good or not and i think that does fuel into stuff you know people like want to like apparently hate him and people also on the other side are saying well you know twitter was they didn't really release any new like groundbreaking features i think he tweeted that they were like you know losing four million dollars per day on twitter so i mean like it's it's not like it, I mean to make the business profitable. Oh, you have no. to take some drastic steps. Here's here's the thing with with Twitter that is just really annoying me right now is you know I I have uh, one of my companies is quite uh, active on Twitter and there are so many uh, especially like um, artists and stuff like oh Twitter is Twitter is. So they essentially have like the writing is on the wall for Twitter. It's a dead platform. Where are we going to go now? Are we going to start a Mastodon instance? Are we going to start doing all of our stuff on Instagram and stuff? I'm like, uh, guys, like Twitter's not going anywhere. Like yeah. this actually doesn't affect you. Yeah. Twitter to you in a year and a half, two years time is going to be exactly the same as it is now. Right. Maybe Elon goes and lifts some of the bands. Like, Let's say, for instance, for these people, worst case scenario, uh, Elon goes and unbans Donald Trump, right? These people were still using Twitter while Donald Trump was on platform. It literally doesn't affect their experience of the platform. What's yeah. happening right now is a weird, again, celebrity drama, perceptual shift that's happening that is just like being fueled, interestingly enough, by people tweeting. People who are in the media, they post about or they write about stuff that's happening 
But really what they're doing is they're just talking about stuff that happened on Twitter, which for most people, no one really cares. Um, And I think that's where like a lot of the content comes from in terms of like, oh, this and this, like Elon said this, but Elon said this star on on a tweet or in a he didn't actually have an interview with the ability to you know talk about something in a nuanced format so i think there is this element of like people thinking especially in that creative industry like thinking that twitter is like the center of the universe whereas you don't have a twitter account there's many people that don't have twitter accounts you probably don't really like get affected that much i guess it does affect no, i care so politics little. slightly <laughs> exactly it's only because people care and that there's something that, that people can get fueled up about um that that it happens it happened the other time like was it like last year when when whatsapp was going to roll out this new feature and then everyone like moved to like telegram and like guess what whatsapp's still fine and in fact they're like rolling out new features uh, probably to imitate twitter to be honest but they are still around and i think that's maybe a challenge of network effects, but it is unfortunately Mm. going to be that, you know, Twitter continues to do similar things, but I think it's going to be pretty nice because, I mean, you said it before, like the incentive model, it's nice to have it aligned. Whereas like if I pay for something, then I know that I'm not the, uh, the product, which I think is a good incentive alignment that people should be getting behind, even though unfortunately people who have gotten their like verifications or whatever organically or originally might have to pay a certain amount, which I mean, to be fair, you could not pay, but you still have the, you know, the following. Um, And I think also like what I tend to do is I I am still on social media is just like filter out all of that stuff. Like, you know, you don't have to follow these people. You don't have to follow news. Uh, in fact, I think I don't really follow any news channels and my life is pretty fine. You know, I see the odd, you know, meme here and there and the odd, you know, interesting factoid, uh, which I can then go and talk to my colleagues about. But um, yeah, you can actually curate it on a, on a you know, in, in 2022 when it is a platform that you can use and, you know, shape. Yeah. So I think I think with regard to, to Twitter's layoffs, uh, when, when people... St- start complaining about it my my response has just been like okay well what would you have done yeah is is like if we talk about you know um especially in twitter's case there was a big amount of bloat and it is unfortunate that like the moderation teams and accessibility teams were were gutted uh it, I, I also think that, you know, accessibility and moderation is important. However, removing the existing moderation and accessibility teams does not mean that there isn't going to be moderation and isn't going to be any accountability for, or sorry, yeah. any, any accessibility accountability. It just means that it's possibly going to be handled by other people. It might be handled by a smaller team. Uh, we we don't actually know. And I think saying that the writing is on the wall for Twitter 10 days after the ac- acquisition is like really jumping the gun. How, what I, my actual prediction for this is in six months from now, we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, remember Elon Musk bought Twitter and everyone was like Twitter was going to die. And you like what's happening with Twitter now is Twitter is still pretty much Twitter. Yeah, but but I think that that's that's also maybe like looping into what we talked in the beginning. It, it's about like that marginal value and that marginal growth. 
of like, you know, a business. When you're like a company, you're expected to grow, right? And you need to grow in terms of like the features you produce, the number of people that are on the platform, uh, you know, the experiences that people have using the platform and like the value that you create. So if you're not currently creating that value and it's evident by like not being as profitable as maybe you could have been, if you look at like, you know, TikTok, uh, you look at like Facebook, obviously Facebook's got its own challenges too. Yeah. Um, you need to have some sort of pivot potentially and whether it's a soft pivot or like a harder pivot to say like, okay, we need to, you know, make changes and make this thing profitable because as much as people would like things to stay like the status quo, like, oh, you know, I, I'd happily just like go on and like click a few, click around and have exactly the same. That's going to, you know, cause competitors to come in and like, you know, displace them. And unfortunately it needs to happen. I think also if, in reading like books, having not really laid off people before in, in mass, um, it's usually from what I've read, it's usually good to do it like swiftly and, you know, cut deeper uh meaning like rather lay off more than you need to because there's also the caveat that after a layoff everyone's got this like mentality of like am i next or would this happen again so rather like getting to like very become very lean uh and then working up from that uh, i've heard is a is a good approach yeah it's it's definitely it definitely affects the mentality of, of people working there because you're like if you know that there's going to be surgical strategic layoffs it will make you very feel very ins- like unsecure at your job. Uh, and then the second one is that everyone knows that there's been a massive Twitter layoff. So if you see on someone's resume that they've been fired from Twitter, you're like, oh, that was that event. Not a, you know, maybe this guy was actually a bad employee and he has in fact uh, been, you know, uh, fired at a different point but, for another reason. But then, but then, then are you like, then are you slightly advocating for like having? anonymity and like what you did in your previous job because i think no, even, no, 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 no. even even if that was so like someone doing a hire would go and check your references mm. and if your references are good your references are good i don't think people they might take that in but then if if a person's reasonable i don't think they're going to be like oh well because elon musk like cut jobs that you're now like not a good employee or not a, not valuable to a business in some sense yeah so sure, sure, think, sure. Yeah. yeah 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 Essentially, essentially, what I'm saying is that when when it's done in bulk, uh, people mm. can look at it as like, oh, that was the layoffs. This wasn't, you know, a mm. a you being fired for he being bad. Uh, well, it's. Be- I mean, I'd say it's. Be- I'd say it's better because, like, it's just like, oh, it was like a mass layoff. Like everyone, everyone. Yeah, got, exactly. Like, exactly. Cut out. So it's it's actually like probably. Uh, referable the thing i think the thing i think that makes it the sort of most negative from like a business point of view is that doing layoffs is actually a very sort of it's a very an effective way to become profitable or bring about profitability but it's it's like the shortcut point Mm -hmm. so in terms of like growth you could there's other ways that you can do it you can improve product velocity you can improve efficiency of each employee so one of the things is like doing training, making people better at their jobs, like improving how you operate, like, you know, trimming the fat and all of that kind of stuff in terms of like removing craft work, adding automation, these kind of things. Those are, but those are generally hard to do. And I think why it's got such a negative connotation is because like a CEO who's probably fairly well paid uh, is able to just like at the sort of stroke of a pen, 
lay off all of these people as kind of like uh, almost like a you know get out of jail free card for the mistakes that they have done to get the business into that place in the first place. Albeit that there's are there are obviously economic changes that happen that maybe people weren't quite aware of, but it is seen as like a very sort of swift way to sort out a problem. And I mm, think that's mm. why it leads into being such a negative uh, sort of optical um, uh, thing. So if I, if I had, if I were Twitter or Elon, whoever, whoever the entity is that has laid off all of these people, because uh, there seems to be, they're, they're, they seem to be interchangeable. And then also the word fired or laid off seem, seem to be interchangeable, even though they are two distinctly different uh, actions that a company can take mm. in terms of legality, depending on the state and the country. Um, but I think that the biggest thing that Twitter could have done to have made this event a lot more palatable would have literally taken less than a day. Uh, and that would have been to essentially write out the uh, the public letter like Stripe did to uh, all of its employees saying, hey, here's what's happening. This is an unfortunate event. Here are the facts, right? Because right now what's happening is people are debating whether there's the people got their severance, whether they got notice, uh, they're, they're like, no one seems, no one in the public seems to have a clear picture of what happened over there. Whereas I can tell you right now uh, that, you know, Stripe has its severance setup and that it has a referral program and that it is uh, it, like all that information is just in that one post that is easily shareable. And that's actually how people found out about Stripe's layoffs, as opposed to uh, people tweeting that they'd been locked out of their mail account and then later finding out that they'd been laid off through, you know, another channel or something like that is it really just came down to like the grace of it all. I mean, also, like, to be fair, like it's starting to become like Twitter's starting to become a place where you can't really trust anything Mm. because there's like parody accounts and they'll like parody say something or you know, it might be some screenshot of someone else who just like typed their password in incorrectly. So there's also like a sensationalism that can be generated from some of these Im- some of these images. So I guess in that case, yeah, having like a public page where it's like okay, Stripe.com slash layoffs or whatever, and then they've like explicitly said what they're doing does provide a little bit more sort of uh, verification to it happening rather than as you said, like people tweeting. So maybe that's just a PR blunder probably not probably because elon probably laid off the pr team <laughs> or they don't have one or they've don't have one someone who's good at it yeah i think definitely having that and having it not be on twitter would probably be a good, a good choice because i from the last few even the last few weeks there's like certain people who will post stuff more just to like as like a joke but then it gets really close. It's like, is this guy joking? Or is this guy like being serious? <laughs> yeah. Or is this yeah. real? Or is this like someone else? Or is this like a deep fake? Or is this something else? Like, um, but yeah, no, I think there's, de- there's definitely better ways to do it. I think the, uh, you- the thing with that is just like, don't do important announcements on a platform where the information is supposed to be transient. 
Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, there's loads of resources out there on how to like fire people. And I imagine like one of them is be swift, be like, you know, concise, explain the reason uh, for it. I think also the challenge with Elon is it's also because it's new management coming into a company to do that, which to be fair, if I was looking at it, it's probably the old management that got you into that place in the first place. So, I mean, in terms of blame, I'd say it might be shared. Obviously, you know, no one really wants to work for a company that gets acquired out of like a joke mm-hmm. <laughs> or like <laughs> like a, some thought that he had while he was on the toilet or something. Just like, hmm, I should buy Twitter. <laughs> but like, yeah, no, there's I think there's accountability in all places. But if you are the only CEO and you've been doing it for a long time and then you still fire, then I guess there's more accountability on yourself rather than any person comes in. Is there is there a positive side? Let's like uh, bring the mood back up to to uh, the Friday of, level. Oh, of of just layoffs in general, or specifically Twitter. I mean, just the lay- I mean, there's Twitter. We've spoken about Twitter Stripe, but there's also you know across the board. There's a, like loads yeah. of companies. I think there's even a site called layoffs.fyi. Oh, interesting. I'll have to check that which, out. Which actually specifies a number of tech layoffs that have happened and you can go and like Mm. see a whole bunch what we've seen what we've seen happen in the past and this actually happened after the dot-com boom uh and then bust is all these people who were well-trained and working at these you know dot-com companies who finally who found themselves without a job uh as you said earlier they went off and they started their own companies these these employees were fine and they essentially pioneered the internet that we know today is no one who was a great programmer from the dot-com bust uh, and lost their job. Okay, I, obviously there were some people who ended up on the street, but that was for other reasons. Is by and large, um, you know, pe- the people who were doing all right as high-paid dot-com employees, they ended up starting a company or getting another job at one of these companies or something else, and that's. That's essentially what's going to happen over here is, yes, we're in a we're in a tech recession, but I think we're going to see a lot of change happen. And I think that change is a catalyst for creativity and for new ideas. And so we're going to see a lot of that happening. I mean, like um, if you if you think about really promising computer science graduates, right, a lot of them have the idea that they get out of university and they go and they start working for one of the fang uh, and there's a couple of there's a couple of letters that people throw in there every now and then um mm. but that isn't necessarily the career path that everyone's going to be thinking of now since most of these companies are are have at least frozen hiring or have gone as far as laying people off and so I think that also means that there's going to be uh, it's going to be easier for smaller companies that are not these these big uh, tech companies to to find talent. And we all know that like tech talent, there's a dearth in tech talent. So maybe it's actually reintroducing these people into the market, into places where they will have a bigger impact. So it could actually be a good thing for the tech industry overall. <laughs> <laughs>